You are listening to FYN Unscripted, a podcast from the Federal Youth Network. Join us as we explore some of the realities, challenges, and motivations of public servants working within the Government of Canada. All of our episodes are available in both English and French. Si vous préférez écouter en français, un épisode sur le même sujet est également disponible sur ce canal. Welcome to Fin Unscripted. My name is Shanu Vendari, and I'm happy to host this episode of Fin Unscripted, the podcast from the Federal Youth Network. I would like to begin by acknowledging that I'm recording this episode from our nation's capital, Ottawa. Ottawa is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. I will take a moment to introduce myself a little bit more. So, as mentioned, Chinoo, I started my career out in the public service as a student and since then worked, in, worked for two different departments. I currently work for public service renewal at the Privy Council office, and I'm really enjoying my time working on these government-wide initiatives. My job goes well with my personal goals to influence, motivate, and guide others towards achievements of their own goals. And I've been really lucky to have such an amazing network of both personal and professional mentors, some of them from the Federal Youth Network. So I hope to help others with that as well. Today on the podcast, we're going to explore the human side of organization. To guide us in this discussion, it's my honor to welcome Jody LeBlanc and Todd Scanlon. Welcome. So today on the podcast, Um, we're just going to jump right in and I'm going to let Jody and Todd introduce themselves by speaking about their career in the GC, but, and also about their organizing styles as well. Jody and Todd, over to you. Thank you, Shanu. And thank you, Todd. It's so great to be here. Um, it's so wonderful to be part of Federal Youth Network again. I was involved with Federal Youth Network when it started back in 2002 and was a chair from 2009 to 2012. So So wonderful to be invited back. I've been with the federal government for about 22 years, and I've been various roles, community development, programs, information technology, human resources, um, now as a free agent doing different assignments all over government. So um, love, I'm a very proud public servant. And as far as my um, organizational style, um, I'm very minimalist. I love visual learning and seeing everything in one place, being able to really retrieve things um, that I'm looking for and touching things once, getting it done and off my plate. And I love checking things off. So that's my work style. Over to you, Todd. All right. So, hey, um, I'm Todd. I'm, uh, I'm from Nova Scotia, but I live in Ottawa now. And um, I'm a job hopping millennial, I guess. Um, I've been uh, been the government for about seven years, and I'm on my 10th department, uh, which is actually a Crown Corporation right now. Um, so I like jumping around and doing different things. I've been kind of all the jobs between technical writer, project manager, uh, program officer, uh, policy person, communication person, all that kind of stuff. And um, now I'm an agile coach uh, over at Export Development Canada. In my organization mindset is I'm really lazy and what can help me stay lazy and be lazy uh, without any negative consequences. Love it. 
I love that. So thank you so much. And it's so wonderful to meet you both. Todd, did you say you were on your 10th department? Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So there's so much I want to ask, but so little time. So I'm just going to dive right in. So Jody and Todd, what prompted you to take an interest in being more organized, productive? Was there ever like a light bulb moment where you were like, I need to do this? Yes. Um, for me, the I know I've, I've always been um, interested in organization and pr productivity. Uh, back in 2012, uh, my husband and I moved from our country house to a small apartment to see what we liked the downtown living. So we purged 80% of our belongings. And um, at that time, I was I had written an article called Confessions of a Former Pack Rat. And I used to keep, when I was little, even the little chocolate bar wrapper that was gold film so I could reuse that. So moving from that to purging 80% of our belongings, it really got me thinking of, wow, well, all of that clutter, um, even finding my keys and things, takes so much time and effort. But the time in my actual job back in 2015, 2015, I think it was, I started working for the National Managers Community as the Regional Manager Atlantic. And before that used to be done by each of the four um, provinces. And I was really run off my feet. I was stressed. I was overwhelmed. I had to shift my approach to from working smarter, um, not harder. And at that time, um, I discovered Trello, which I still use to this day. And it's been such a game changer to have my whole to-do list for my whole life on one screen and uh, never look back. I love it. What about you, Todd? Yeah. So for me, I, uh, you know, I was doing all this work in Outlook, all these emails constantly, you know, I'm like, where's my stuff? Uh, and then working on many projects that were like super delayed. One of my projects was like 10 or seven years delayed. Um, I won't mention any names, <laughs> um, but yeah, there came a time where it, things just weren't working. Um, and I said to myself, you know, there's gotta be a better way. Like I should be able to do all this stuff. Um, and then became, I uh, started my journey of like, uh, discovering books, podcasts, resources, all on how to best group things together. So like you, I also found uh, Trello and explored the uh, great benefits of Kanban and the Kanban methodology and thinking in a terms of flow and limiting how many things you're doing at the same time. Uh, and most importantly, visualizing work uh, in a cool way. So that, that's what kind of got me there. Jody, I really like how you said working smarter, not harder. And Todd, uh, harder and Todd, you saying that there has to be a better way. You both mentioned Trello. Could you tell me a little bit more about Trello and how it helps you stay organized? Sure. Yes, Trello. Um, I remember my friend had come to see me on the weekend back in 2015, and she said, "You seem so stressed." And she said, "I said, you know what? I don't even know what I'm supposed to do in the next moment. I have so much in my head. It's so full." So she introduced me to Trello, and it's a free tool. I use it differently than some use it to collaborate with teams. It's it, they phrase it as sticky notes on steroids. So basically, instead of having the page full of sticky notes in front of you, and you only have a small surface area of that sticky note you can write on, you have sticky notes all over a main page, and you can open those up and add all kinds of comments, you can work with other people, or you can use it the way I do it. And I have a board of things I have to get done today, things I want to do this week. 
uh, a board for later, things to remember, things to follow up on that I'm waiting on. And that's my one place where everything goes instead of having random things on my head and sticky notes. But Todd, I think you use it more with a group as well too, do you? Mm -hmm. With your team? Yeah, maybe you wanna explain that. Yeah, so, you know, Kanban, uh, using Trello at the personal level is really useful. Uh, but to get the really best of it is when you work as, as a group level or even an organizational level. So that, that involves uh, tracking the work that comes in. What are you working on? What is blocked? Uh, really putting all the work out there so that you're making all work visible. Um, because as you know, especially uh, you know, public servants where there's so many side of the desk things. Um, and I think that you know, kind of the better you are, the more work you get. And the more, you know, you have a really big side desk and uh, that can really cause a lot of problems like burnout or just other work items being dropped. Uh, and so uh, visualizing all of the work and having uh, the entire team and organization look at it almost like a mirror uh, is so valuable. And it also gives you a good snapshot of your own capacity as well. I also heard that same saying it was the award for good work is more work. <laughs> Uh, so this Trello thing sounds amazing and I need to look at it for myself. Um, I actually had a conversation with my Gen Z brother about this um, about two weeks back and uh, talked to, to him about organization. He told me instead of using to-do lists, which I traditionally did, I used the pen and paper method. He said, use your calendar and plan out your days. So he basically encouraged me to create appointments for all of my to-do items and be realistic about what I'm able to kind of accomplish. And then Siri will let you know when it's time to shift your focuses um, and, and focus on something else. And I know this sounds super simple, but wow, it, it really changed my busy days over the past like two weeks so much. And I like to see how realistic I am with my time estimates as well. Sometimes, you know, I realize that briefing notes take me a lot longer, so I need to schedule more time for that. Um, now, uh, I believe Todd, you mentioned a book recommendation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you have any book recommendations, both Todd and Jody, that helped increase your organizational skills or provided you with tools to help those organizational skills? Yes, so many books. Um, do you want to go first, Todd? Um, you go first. I, um... <laughs> I have a list of books. I'll pull it up. Yeah. So for me, um, the books that, well, beyond the, the traditional ones, How to Get Things Done by David Allen or Eat That Frog, Brian Tracy, some of the ones that have been around for many years. Uh, I discovered Essentialism back around the time I discovered Trello with Greg McEwen, and it's doing less but better. So before I used to have 20 things going on, I was a yes person. I said yes to everything. I was doing all of these things good, but other things like my personal life, my work-life balance was suffering. So instead I pared down everything I was doing and looked at what am I still giving to that committee? Um, am I still giving, am I still learning? Um, are the things I've been on for so long, but I just, maybe it's time to let someone else have an opportunity. So it's doing less, maybe focusing on two or three things and doing them better than if you have 20 things on your plate. And uh, doing them uh, just okay, right? Just getting the bare minimum done. And then I also love the Productivity Project by Chris Bailey, who spent, I think it was a year 
several months at least going through every type of productivity tip you can think of. And he experimented and explained how it worked for him and, and what he did on a weekly to monthly basis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can um, definitely agree that essentialism is, oh, it's so good, especially the audiobook. It is like one of the better narrated audiobooks. And uh, what I love about it so much is that um, the author states that if you don't prioritize your work, then someone else will. So, you, you know, you really have to, to do that or others will, will get you. So true. I hear he has another book out. I think it's called Focus. I haven't checked it out yet, but hopefully on my summer reading list. Mm -hmm. I have one that I want to share as well. It's Atomic Habits. Um, it definitely helped me for a little bit, but I found I lost momentum. Does that usually happen to both of you as well? Like you read an amazing book and you say, oh, wow, this is life changing. You adopt all of these practices and then they start to trickle away. Mm -hmm. I do love that book as well. James Cleary isn't that wrote it about making habits, but I guess it's really pairing. Maybe you try and make all these habits and then you realize, oh, your life isn't really changing as a result and it's more work. So maybe you want to check in every quarter to say, are these habits really maximizing my time or am I just doing them to check them off? And then you can kind of decide which ones you've outgrown, which ones you might want to add to your list or, or keep going. Mm. So having that kind of like evergreen look at it again. Yeah. But we can't, we only have so much brain capacity that we can't possibly do everything. So it's really just important to pick the right things that are right for us. No one size fits all approach, right? It's what Todd does or what you do or what others do is different than what I do. And, um, and, and that's what makes us unique. And I think it's, it's important to note that like reading books and doing courses and integrating that new knowledge into your life and how you operate is a skill into itself. Um, one which you can build on. Um, so, you know, you read a book and it, it paints a picture of a world that you don't live in. Um, but how can you take that knowledge and, and those practices and those tidbits and how do you integrate that into your own life into where you work? And, uh, you know, doing so, um, you know, if you do it straight verbatim from the book into the into your work, you know, that can be very harsh, especially for your teammates. Say, hey, I read this book on uh, Agile. Let's let's all do this. <laughs> Everyone's like, uh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I didn't read that book. Um, so it's it's very important to to kind of realize and take something like an idea and internalize that idea and then use that use what they're giving you uh, in a new way at work and you know figure out how you um, how you incorporate that and then reflect on that. That's a really good point, uh, Todd. I'm going to go back and see if there's any books that you recommend. Sorry to put you on the spot, but I'm pretty excited about this list because I'm selfishly writing them all down <laughs> at the side and looking forward to reading them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have um, one specifically for Kanban and using Trello. Uh, it's called Making Work Visible, um, Exposing uh, Time Thefts uh, by uh, D Dominica Desjardins. To, I'm bad at pronouncing names, but it's a really good book. Um, another good book is The Coaching Habit by uh, Michael Bengay. Um, those are two really good. And then, of course, the holy grail of productivity books is The Goal um, by uh, uh, Goldratt. 
Awesome. Thank you. I hope this gives our listeners an amazing list to also put and, and read. Um, I know we touched on this part a little bit with the power of saying no, but how has being organized affect, uh, how has being organized affected your work life balance? Greatly. Um, I know um, it's being organized has helped me clear my mind. So I took a memory course many years ago. I can't think of the name of the course, but the way that the man described it that taught the course was what's in our mind is our internal uh, memory or internal capacity for learning. What's outside what we write down pen and paper and Trello or wherever we write it is our external memory. So if we can get things out of our internal memory and into something like our to-do list, we don't have to spend all day trying to constantly remember it. I know when I used to work in the office, I had to remember every two hours to go out and pay my parking meter. Well, that was on my mind all day long, kind of just like, oh, you've got to, got to check. And that day when I stopped paying my parking meter, my head felt so clear because I wasn't constantly thinking about that one thing that I had to remember. And uh, having that, um, you know, out of my head, I have more time to remember experiences and really just feel clear headed and calm and relaxed. And my work, I do my work and then um, I have time for my, my balance of my personal interests and different things. So feel very kind of the clutter is gone. And uh, when we know when clutter is gone, you feel a sense of peace usually. So same thing for being organized. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest difference is when you're organized, you get to know what is urgent and what is important. So what is urgent isn't always important. Um, and when you have these, this knowledge and have clear uh, trade-offs and you know what you're giving up and you know how, how, to, how to put your efforts uh, in the most important ways. And so uh, you mentioned like you get to know what is urgent and important. How do you, and this is a very loaded question, how do you prioritize? Right, so there are many ways of prioritizing. Um, that, you know, it's almost its own like niche uh, craft beer industry, you know, we'll talk about uh, prioritization methods and all those kind of things. Um, but, you know, I like to think about it. If you can prioritize in a way that you can clearly articulate, like at a bar and a pub, like, hey, I'm doing this, this and this. And that makes like makes logical sense to a, to a greater structure. Um, and then you say, I'm doing this, this and this. Uh, and therefore, I am not doing this, this, and this, uh, because that, that doesn't link up to a greater, a greater goal or initiative. I love that, Todd. I think sometimes, too, when we get new work assigned to us, we just take it on and say, yes, okay, well, it's now part of my job, part of my job. And then you get that reprioritization you have to do. So I like to say when I have something new coming on my plate, if I already have a full plate, what needs to go on the back burner in order for me to take this on as a priority? And I work with my manager director on that to find out what they also value for priorities too, right? And mm -hmm. then doing that report prioritization is so crucial, not just to, to just keep them on your to-do list for, forever, right? Yeah, and when you get your manager or director to help you, it puts skin in the game for them too, because they're helping you prioritize. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing the wrong thing, uh, you know, it's on them too. Yes, I agree. And this is important to kind of take into not just professional life, but also personal life. 
um, and just seeing where you kind of want to put your time towards and how much capacity you have. So thank you. Um, what is the risk of not being organized though? I want you to think back at a past experience. Uh, do you have any cautionary tales? Well, the risk is, you know, forgetting things, losing information, missing deadlines, um, having to redo duplicate work. I know um, even just this year, uh, we had new learning curriculum for my home department and there were quite a few courses. And luckily I was able to find the inventory on the Canada school site, but there were three Phoenix courses that I did. I knew I had done it in the past, back in 2018. And the only way to um, say you completed it was to do a screenshot. Gratefully, I had put that screenshot on Trello because there was no way for them to ever determine that I had done that except for my saved screenshot. So that saved me several hours of time because I was organized and did have my record of completion. So it saved me from having to uh, spend hours on something I already did. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love being able to find things so easily, right? Mm. Yeah, the, I think the price of being, not being organized is truly your mental health. Um, you know, it's going to pay, you're going to pay for it uh, either not right now or, or later on because things add up and, you know, um, always kind of looking for something or not having a system or depending on others to do things for you, to organize your work. Um, it, it, it will come back on you. And uh, I think it's always better to take your own agency and, and put the power in your hands. Um, yeah. Very true. So my cautionary tale is that I never wrote down my to-do list. It was always in my head. So um, never jotted notes. Uh, and I stopped using a planner after university. I know you can see where this is going already. So one of my actionable items for the day dropped off uh, my radar. And I wish I could say this was just like an isolated experience that I learned really quickly after that. But it did happen a few times, you know, where I had to finish things in a state of panic. And then in turn, I did not produce my best work. So it truly is like the trade-off is mental health for sure. Um, you know, not being happy with the quality of work you're putting outwards, um, having to change those plans. So uh, I really resonate with that point. Um, and so I have a few questions and scenarios I want to ask based on things my friends have shared. Uh, so I did tell my friends I would be hosting this organization podcast and reached out to them to see if they had any questions or scenarios, things that were in their daily lives that they wanted advice on and really wanted to turn to both of you for that. So here goes number one. I find that my manager is not very well organized and I find it extremely challenging. What can I do? P.S. I am a student on an ex-web term. Great question. Well, <clears throat> first of all, I don't know if they're in the office or if they're no, how I'm curious of how they're feeling that they find that their manager is not organized. I know I had worked in an office before where uh, my manager's desk was full of papers. And the funny thing is, you would think just looking, wow, she's so disorganized. But anything I asked her for, she'd lift up the papers and here you go, right? She knew where every single thing was. That was her way of organization. But if, you know, find out, um, you know, how their method of disorganization impacts you. So 
is it they ask um, the same questions about your work? They're always like, did you do that? Did you do that? Oh, I asked you that before. Oops. Oh, did you do that? Well, okay. Um, so is it because they're not remembering things that you tell them, or maybe they're not replying to your email request? Um, one thing that they could do if it's one of those reasons, um, I know in the past I did kind of a work in the open Google Excel spreadsheet or something where I put all my work on there and all my status updates and it was a live link that my manager was able to go in at any given time, rather than having to ask me over and over again, they could just go in and see exactly where I was. And um, if it's perhaps that they don't reply to your emails and you're wondering, well, maybe they're drowning in emails and they can't manage their inbox. Well, um, on my Trello board, I have a waiting on list. And every time I put out something that ping pong, I do something and I'm waiting for something to come back, I add it on there. And every week I go through and I say, does this warrant a, a reply? Does this, do I need to follow up on this? And then it might be kind of the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well, you might have to ask that manager two or three times, but I think they would appreciate it given how busy or um, how, uh, how full their day is. That's just a couple of examples, but should Todd, you have others? Yeah, I mean, I just want to touch on your example of uh, coming to a, a document for the update. Uh, like a, that's a, an asynchronous update that's um, really valuable. Uh, especially for people that they get bugged a lot, you know, lazy mindset. Hey, you can offload that update to something else. That can yeah. be a that can be a tool. That can be a website. That can be uh, a GC doc, uh, PowerPoint. But very very useful. Mm -hmm. And the real time is so important, right? Instead of just sending them a spreadsheet every day, well, that's going to change day to day with your work. So having that live component, they can check in ten times a day if they want, or they'll always see it's different versus having to version control, send them a, a new spreadsheet for, to fill up their inbox every week. So the one link has been useful. Mm -hmm. And so if I was talking to this student, I would say it would be good to talk about to the manager and just to get a full understanding of the role and how that role contributes to the greater uh, goals of the unit and organization and say, okay, where, what are my guardrails? You know, what can I do? What can I make decisions on? And where can I do just my own autonomy and agency and do things? Where are the problems in this group? Where can I best help? Uh, and find that information that allows you to work without, with them, you know, being on any kind of organization method they want to. Um, but whatever you're doing is solving a, a unit problem, an organizational problem. Um, so it's, you know, you can do whatever you want. Um, and uh, it's actually better for you to find the, your own problems than waiting for someone else to to give them to give them for you. I agree. Communication is definitely key, and oftentimes we forget that managers are people too, and they may also have limited capacity. But um, you know, by letting them know it's affecting you, um, I'm sure they would prioritize it and and try to bring that um, a change to that. So scenario number two. Hope these are as fun for you guys as it is for us. <laughs> uh, I find I find my colleague in brackets, whom I frequently collaborate with, is super disorganized and forgets to do what they're supposed to do. I often poke, but the answer is always, oh, I forgot I will do that now, and then I hear nothing. Since my manager assigned both of us on the same tasks, it makes me look disorganized as well. What should I do? 
of a bit of the same advice of having that bring forward method where you're checking in regularly, whether you're calling them or emailing them and following up, but um, bringing everyone together um, to work through those pain points and those processes um, and getting agreement on how things will be communicated or collaborated or even whose roles and responsibilities are what, what deadlines are coming up. I find when we're doing everything by email and we're, we're uh, working remotely, we only get what's on the email. We don't necessarily know the tone or um, how full that person's inbox is or what other things and priorities are on. So sometimes just bringing everyone for a face-to-face -face on those teams or uh, a phone call, you can really work through that easier um, to, uh, to make things more seamless and, and get things back on the rails. Mm -hmm. and, uh, building on that, so it's really helpful to, to develop a, it's called a team working agreement or a team charter. So this is where you write down, um, you know, what, how do you like to work together? What, what's important to you? Uh, you know, important, like uh, practical things like, okay, I start at nine o'clock. Okay. You start at 10 o'clock. I, I, uh, I have to drop off my kids uh, after work. So I don't like late time meetings, documenting that. Uh, but then also uh, having a lot of clarity on the work that needs to be done. So, um, okay. Our work, comes in, in a certain state, uh, when it leaves uh, us or where it goes through different work through points, what quality is needed for that to, in order for us to consider it to be complete? Let's be very explicit about that quality that we all need to get to and what does good look like? So that we know uh, with, with a high degree of certainty, okay, when something reaches this criteria, okay, we're good. And then we all have the same level of quality um, uh, and that's an that's an agreement we all agree on, and um, you know every agreement is like a, a person to person uh, connection. It's information we all agree on. It's a decision, so you know it should follow the same hygiene as there any other kind of major decision. So, okay, why are we doing this? Uh, when should we have a review date on this to make sure it's still working for us? Um, and uh, who's responsible for what? That's great. Have you used Mirrorboard or Easy Retro when you were building those charters or any other tools, or did you just you did it uh, when you're building the charters? Oh, it's um, you know, I'm very tool agnostic, so any tool that kind of uh, gets you to the destination there is the right tool. Uh, but tools I've used in the past is Mural, Mural, Jamboard, and any kind of uh, virtual uh, whiteboarding software. Uh, as well as well as the um, you know retro tools you can do for generating uh, autonomous or anonymous lists of things people can enter. Um, Microsoft Forms could be good for that, or there are a lot of different tools you could use. Um, but it's um, the most important I would say is just the act of facilitation and building agreement around uh, certain things. Todd, do you think there is such thing as too many tools? Yes. Too many tools um, and uh, the tool dictating how you work. So um, some tools have has, has a certain flow to it or certain fields you must fill in or a way to use it or even a way to classify work. Um, and it's easy to fall into that trap um, of the tool works this way, so we must work this way. Um, but we need to flip that on its head and say, we work a certain way, what tool can we use to do that? 
Um, and I think uh, like tools come and go. So there can be too many tools, but I, I would say um, and having like, you know, uh, using Notion or Trello or everything for so many different things, it can get a little too much. Um, but I would say uh, learning and using new tools and, and figuring out which tool works for you is also a skill into itself and that you can, uh, you know, develop and get better at. And uh, it really helps you in the long term of your career. Um, but again, it's, it's all about building agreement. So with yourself, uh, with other people, um, so what tool you're going to use and why and reviewing if that tool is still working for you, uh, very important. Jody, I'm going to direct this next question from a friend over to you. So she said, other than using my calendar, I prefer old school paper ways of staying organized. Can I continue that or should I consider shifting to a new tool? She wrote technological in brackets. <laughs> Great question. And I absolutely love paper and pen as well. And that was my go-to many years ago. And I even find, um, even though I'm paperless for eight years, I will take out a, a scrap of paper. And when I want to do my best thinking, put some things on there if I want to check some things off. And at the end of the day, I will take that and either put it in my Trello or shred it and uh, try to get back to the paperless. But it really helps. If your friend loves paper and pen, um, that's great. Um, I'd highly recommend that they try to not um, rewrite their to-do list every single day. I've, I know some people that use the pen and paper, they'll have a list of 30 things and they'll cross two off and then they'll rewrite their whole list. So uh, that can end up being redundancy of taking a lot of time for you. Um, the other thing, um, for the list, um, have a look to see what's out there. Um, you know, there are tools, I'm sure, uh, I forget what they're called, but it's like a whiteboard notebook that you write in. Do you remember what they're called, Todd? And you uh, erase them off at the end of the day, smart smart notebooks? You oh yeah, them? you can get a, you put it in the microwave with like a glass yeah. of water in it, yeah. And it erases. So if you wanna move from the traditional paper, uh, save those trees, and pen, you could move into one of those smart uh, uh, notebooks. And at the end of the day, or whenever you'd like, you can, like Todd said, erase them. And uh, that book is reusable. But it is something that if it's working for your friend, keep continuing it. But if they're finding that um, it's not useful anymore, try it and, and look and see what the top tools are for, for to-do lists and try one of those. See if it works for them for a week or two. If it doesn't, go to the next one or go back to pen and paper. It doesn't hurt to explore and try new things. The ultimate goal is not the method we use, but it's how does it make your life easier? Keeping track of things you have to get done. And I will do a shout out for my preferred method of fridge, which is a fridge Kanban. So I put all of my ingredients and what I have in the fridge on a sticky note on my fridge. Oh, and uh, anyway, love it. some people pay thousands of dollars for a window into your fridge so you can see what's going on, uh, but you can just replace it with a sticky note. So good, Todd. I might steal that idea. You should patent it before it becomes too popular. <laughs> it's really, it's so easy though, right? Cause it's there and you just jot it down at the time and it's right in where your fridge is. So. Why would you need to go electronic, right? It's just too simplified. 
but yet so useful. And it goes back to like our original themes that we talked about um, to make, you know, work smarter, not harder. Um, and then the visual learning, easy, fast ways to retrieve things, touching things only once. Jody, I'm doing sound bites from your from your uh, presentation. And then Todd, I wrote lazy genius. It makes sense. So why why overcomplicate things, right? There's, there's so, one other thing for your friend as well. I just thought of it. If she is writing down things on a massive to-do list and then rewriting, maybe she'll just take three things off of that list for the day and put them on a separate piece of paper and get those three things done. Even if they're done by 10 o'clock, you can add one more thing and add one more thing to avoid having to rewrite them all the time. I use that practice a lot, even in my Trello board of taking three things for the day. And that's all I'm going to do. And if I end up getting them done and adding more, wow, I set out to do three and I got six done. What a super productive day. But if I have my 30 things on my list and I only get two things done, I'm going to feel defeated every single day. So that may help your friend in having to continuously uh, rewrite her to-do list on paper. For sure. And sometimes she says she um, has to just keep carrying it on to the next day and the next day. And yeah. she has a little quote on top of it that says, yesterday I did nothing. And today I'm finishing what I did yesterday. <laughs> I love it. So I think your suggestion is going to really help. Um, I have one last question directed to both of you actually, and it's going a little bit back. So how does your style of organization blend with those of your colleagues? And is it counterproductive if you're the only one using that particular style of organization, or if there is just so many mo like modes of organization styles that are kind of conflicting? Well, I'll say uh, rule number one: uh, always don't be an asshole. <laughs> um, so you know what what works for you may not work for others, um, but what you can control um is what you can control so you know if things are crazy and you are in a sea of disorganization you know first go for a walk uh, and then figure out okay what is in the span of my control what can i do uh, what what can i do to make it easy for others uh, to work with me and easy for myself that's great todd i'm a huge proponent of um, psychometric tools disc myers-briggs uh, insights, discovery, 16 personalities, all of those. And I find that we're all different. We all have different personalities, different preferences. And if we're all the same, life would be pretty boring, right? So I do find my style blends well with my colleagues and others because I do adapt and connect um, with them and we work together. But it really, as you said earlier, communication is key. If we're finding that we're, we're working together and it's just not working, have a sidebar and actually chat about how can you come to um, a compromise to move forward on this and make things more efficient. And, uh, and that give and take, it's not always, this is my style and that's the way we're doing it. It's hearing people out and listening to what works well, things you may not have thought of. And it's ultimately, how do we get the work done, right? It's not necessarily the fancy tool we use or what the style we use, but how do we work together and collaborate? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes, you know, it's trying new things as an experiment or dropping things you've done in the past that no longer serve you. The don't do list, right? No longer do list. Yeah. It's like a reverse pilot. Yeah. Or to go back on an original point, the power of saying no. Mm -hmm. 
And in that book, Essentialism, I remember the quote, it says, being able to say no to good things so that you have room in your schedule to say yes to great things, right? So we don't want to say yes to everything. And then that dream thing comes along that you really wanted to work on. But sorry, you're, you're up to your eyeballs and work. You can't add anything else, right? So being selective when we can. Mm-hmm. Especially when, our, you know, when we do knowledge work, our greatest asset is our mind and how we you know, create, do creative problem solving. So keeping that intact and uh, well-oiled uh, you know, is best for everyone. Amazing. So we are getting close to the end of time, but before I let you go, um, what's one thing our listeners can do today to get on the path of being more organized? And sidebar, is there anything else you'd like to share either from your experiences, um, a lesson you learned with organization? um, And I'll just kind of trail off so I let you guys speak. (laughs) Great. So I think the one thing is to set your goals. So why do you want to be more organized? What are your pain points? Maybe do some time blocking or some, uh, not time blocking, but kind of uh, time tracking of how you spend your day. Maybe it's you don't have time to do something you really love. Well, what is it that we're spending our time on? And maybe taking a week or two just to, to capture that. And finding out the goals, it's not probably just to try the new shiny new tools. It's how can I work better or how, Really, it's different for everyone. Use Google. It's a great friend to look for top 10 productivity tips, things you might want to try. Do not try them all at once. Pick one at a time and and incorporate into your day. Take it away. Add it. Add to it. But um, one thing I do when I'm super overwhelmed is a life repair day. And um, I know Todd and I spoke about this before. When I'm starting to feel like I'm really up to so much work and I'm not feeling as focused anymore, I'll take some time to go through um, where I block it off. I answer all my emails, all my texts. I clear off the surface of my desk. I clear off my desktop of files, any of the flags I have in email. I try to get it down to inbox zero and have that fresh, clean palette so that Whatever comes my way, I actually feel armed and, and uh, ready to go. So that can help a lot. Um, but it, uh, it really, as I mentioned, the one size fits all approach. Don't set yourself up for failure. Go and try and get into it one bite at a time or one step at a time to really see what works for you. Mm-hmm. And mine would be, you know, you can't change other people. You can only change yourself and model what good looks like. Um, and when you have a goal, having great goals is great. Uh, but thinking about, okay, what are you going to do tomorrow? What's your first step to achieve that goal is always the, it, the hardest part and the part that, um, creates the most benefit. Like you, uh, Jody and Todd, I tried to schedule some time to get caught up, uh, whenever, well, especially when there are endless tasks to be done. Um, and I just started meditating and this helps quite a bit too, um, in that whole self-reflection mode. So just self-reflecting a bit and seeing what is working, what isn't working, what can I do better? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. so we don't always take time to recharge our batteries and meditation really does recharge ourselves. So we have that energy to push through it. Mm-hmm. And another great book, uh, called, uh, leadership is language by, uh, Dave Marquette. Uh, he talks about that as uh, red work and blue work. So uh, we just said, you know, we're usually in red work, which is execution mode. 
um, and not that often in blue work, which is reflection, thinking about the work, um, and, uh, and all that stuff. So if you're only doing red work and only in execution, there's a danger that you could be doing the wrong thing. Uh, so it's really integrating that blue work and reflection yeah, throughout your uh, throughout your work. I love that. Some other good tips too when you're mentioning of like blocking that time off so you can get caught up and Focusmate is an accountability partner that's a free tool that you can work with someone else or you can bring your own account accountability partner where you're both working on Zoom or on MS Teams but you're getting work done and you're less apt to walk away and go do things or check your emails when you know you have that block of time where you committed to doing that work, right? And uh, Pomodoro as well is something that you can look into where you, you turn off your all your distractions and that helps you do that, that solid real work, right? Versus our busy work of replying to emails and, you know, MS team uh, messages and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the book you mentioned, Todd, of doing that blue and red work. Mm -hmm. And if I can add to that too, um, it's really important to get clarity and to know like what kind of team you're in in terms of uh, solo, isolated work and collaborative work. And how can you turn that collaborative work into really effective work? That you know, one meeting with five uh, subject matter experts who are passionate about a goal. Um, is uh, way more effective than 20 hours of, you know, people working on their own and sending documents to each other. Um, sometimes all it takes is just working in a uh, Google Doc all in the same document or, or a shared uh, Microsoft Doc uh, using Word, um, doing all in the same document and, um, you know, really writing things out and discussing things together. Uh, that can save a lot of time. My apologies. I know I said it was the last question, but you both are just spewing out knowledge that I have to ask, how has the pandemic affected or influenced your organization skills? Well, I've worked remotely before pandemic for about four years before that. So it was pretty status quo for me, but having all of, all of my colleagues work remotely as well too, um, it's working together on the best styles and having, having uh, that those tools to actually like Miro and um, Easy Retro Jamboard, those types of tools to be able to feel like you're still in the room with people and having that collaborative time and not just be working in silos every day. So um, it's, yeah, it was, it's pandemic, my goodness, it just feels like forever ago, but just starting, I mean, and, and that all working remotely. So yeah, definitely some lessons learned. What about you, Todd? Mm -hmm. So for me, the biggest difference was that work can exist if I choose to outside of the regular working hours. And I can, you know, if I'm not feeling it and I have no meetings and it's two o'clock, I can just go for a walk and it's okay. And, you know, uh, I can work later or I can make it up sometime. Um, but if you're not feeling it and, you know, don't don't force yourself. Let yourself not work. Uh, you don't have to be productive all the time. Um, and sometimes taking a break, uh, taking an hour break will let you, that lets you do something in 15 minutes that maybe it would have taken you two hours. Yeah, it's very it's definitely uh, true because we're not the eight to four bumps and seats like we were in an office, right? It's 
you get up at seven and start your day and do different things and then go for a walk or do, you know, can manage your time a lot easier and uh, not having to do the commute as well. And, uh, yeah. So um, being kinder to yourself in turn kind of helps the quality of your work as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, I started using Microsoft OneNote, which I heard about from clicks and tips many years ago. And it's, I don't know if any of you remember the old school binders we used to put together for meetings and things that had the tabs down the side. OneNote is like a virtual binder. And I started using that for a lot of things I used to use Trello for. And it's been quite a, um, a great tool for me and for my teammates just to keep things, all of the important things I need to know given um, based on subjects are there. And I can share this with my colleagues too. So. Now that we all have Microsoft 365, it's something you might want to do a top 10 tips for OneNote or why use OneNote and see. I wish, my only wish is I had used it many years ago, but I never had access to it until pandemic with the new Microsoft Exchange. I, I still remember fighting over uh, conference lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like a lifetime ago, but yeah, dialing in and having other people dialing in because it's the same number and you're like, oh, no, it's this meeting. Can you please leave? You know? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like having Microsoft Teams and, you know, we're not paid by um, my Microsoft yet, but hey, right, maybe. Um, but uh, Zoom is also good and Slack, but um, having that, like a, that technology that we just didn't have before, um, I mean, it's a game changer. Yeah, it's so useful. I know some people are finding the cameras on meetings all day can be very exhausting, that Zoom fatigue or MS Teams fatigue. So it's even incorporating some things like the team charter you mentioned, Todd, where maybe you have no meetings on one day a week or um, maybe cameras off for certain meetings, right? Just so you don't feel you're always having to be on. You can just listen instead of using visuals, right? So it's really, as you said, it comes down to communication with your team and finding out works best so that you all bring your best selves to work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like depending on the meeting, like a lot of status meetings, like you, you kind of have like your cameras on, you're saying stuff. But if you transition to like work-based meetings where you're working together on a document or on mm -hmm. a whiteboard, you're not really looking at each other's faces, you're looking at the actual work. Uh, so it, it can be a lot more sustainable. It's also great because they're looking into accessibility and, and prioritizing it as well. So you're able to have captions so you don't have to, you know, interrupt someone when they're talking to say, wait, what did you say again? You could go back into the captions and see exactly what they said. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And special thanks to you, Jody and Todd, for taking the time to chat and share your experiences with me today. It's always a pleasure in participating in Ben's events, and I encourage you all to check them out on social media for upcoming events. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues and let us know on social media. Please don't hesitate to share any topics for us to explore. Thank you for listening to FYN Unscripted. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Visit the Federal Youth Network social media channels and share with us the topics you would like us to cover in our upcoming podcast episodes. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to FYN Unscripted on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast player.